Well, today is a special day in our church for a couple of different reasons. First of all, it's a special day because today is the 122nd anniversary of our church. First Baptist was founded in 1901. And we thank God for our history and for those who've gone before us. I want to show a picture this morning of the founding 17 members of our church there in 1901. My dad is the one on the far left. And... uh he preached the very first sermon of our church's history, and he tells me it was a dandy. No, seriously, when our church was founded, we didn't have a pastor, and we didn't actually get a pastor until 1902. Reverend W.F. Smith was the first pastor of our church. My dad now is the 18th pastor, but God has blessed his church through the years, and so uh, today is a special day for that reason. But also, today is a special day because we're going to have a spontaneous baptism service today, like we did last year, and I'm excited about it. I'm excited about what God did in the first service and excited about what God might do in this service. We'll have to just wait and see, but there's something to me exciting about giving people an opportunity who have never done so to follow Jesus in baptism. And so today we're going to be thinking about that. So if you have your Bible, open it please to the book of Acts in chapter number two. We'll pick up here where we left off last week. And if you weren't here last week, I'll tell you what we did. We studied the first sermon in the history of the church, not our church, but the church there in Jerusalem. Simon Peter was the preacher. The day was called Pentecost. And he told the people about their sins. And he told the people about God's love God's mercy, God's grace, and God's forgiveness. He forgave them, or he gave them a chance to receive that forgiveness. They did. He gave them a chance to be baptized. They were. And so we pick up uh, there today. Now, in Acts chapter 2, in verse number 36, Peter is coming to the end of his sermon. And as we saw last week, Peter was an old-fashioned country Bible preacher. He, he brought the heat when he, when he stood up there to preach. And in verse 36, he says this, Therefore, let all the house of Israel know assuredly that God has made this Jesus whom you crucified. We talked about that last week. It was their sins, just like it was our sins that put Jesus on the cross. And, and Paul, Peter here is saying, God has made this Jesus whom you crucified, both Lord and Christ. He has raised him from the dead, and now Jesus is alive. So in verse 37, when they heard this, they were cut to the heart. Literally, they were stabbed. They were pierced in their heart, and they began to be convicted of their sins, which is the prerequisite to salvation, a conviction of sin, that God has a standard and that we have all fallen to measure up to that standard. And as they were convicted, they said to Peter and to the rest of the apostles, men and brethren, what shall we do? In other words, in light of what you have said, in light of the, the fact that we've all sinned and we need to be forgiven, what shall we do so that our sins can be forgiven? And in verse 38, Peter answered that question. He said to them, repent and let every one of you be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ. Now, he gave them two things to do. Number one, repent. Now, that word repent, when we come to church, we use it. But other than here, that's not a word that we use in our culture very much. But in Bible times, it was. And people were familiar with it. It was a military word that literally means about face. And so here's a soldier, and he's marching in this direction. And the commanding officer says, repent, about face. And he turns around and he goes a different direction. 
And so when the Bible uses that word repent, everybody knew what it meant. It meant, Peter was saying, in order to be saved, the first thing you have to do is turn away from your sins and turn towards God, ask him to forgive you, ask him to save you. It's not just You know, I think sometimes people think that repentance is just, God, I promise you, I'm never gonna drink again. I'm never gonna cuss again. I'm never gonna be immoral again. Whatever my sin was, I'm never gonna do that again. Well, that's not really repentance. That's just turning over a new leaf. We do that on New Year's Day. Repentance is, God, I don't wanna cuss. I don't wanna drink. I don't wanna be immoral. So what I'm gonna do, I'm gonna turn from that. But God, in turning from that, I'm turning to you I'm asking you to forgive me of what I've done in the past and I'm asking you by the power of the Spirit to enable me not to do those same things going forward. Billy Graham used to always say when he gave the invitation that God has to help us to repent. It's not that we just repent and promise God we're never gonna do anything wrong again. No, we turn from that, ask for his forgiveness and ask for his help. So that's the first thing you have to do in order to be saved. And then he said, after you repent, let every one of you be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sins and you shall receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. So right after repentance, immediately, He says, be baptized. Now, when we read this in our English Bibles, it can be confusing, this word for, when it says, let every one of you be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sins. That English word for comes from a Greek word, a preposition in Greek, eis, E-I-S. And it literally has the idea because of. In other words, you don't get baptized so that you will have your sins forgiven. You get baptized because you already have had your sins forgiven. We find that same little word, ice, E-I-S, in Matthew chapter 12 and verse 41, where Jesus said, the people of Nineveh repented ice, E-I-S, the preaching of Jonah. They, They repented after the preaching. They didn't repent so that Jonah would preach. Jonah had already preached and then they repented. So it wasn't that that they were repenting saying, now Jonah, now we repent, now preach us a sermon. He had already preached, then they repented. So the same word is used here in Acts 2. And the idea is this, we don't get baptized in order to be saved. I don't think I could ever stress that strongly enough. I think sometimes people get confused about that because they see the water and the baptistry and we're at church and people think, well, this is God's house. And so if I go up there to get baptized, they'll lower me in the water and they'll lift me back up. And then when I come up out of that water, I'm gonna come out clean. My sins are gonna be forgiven. Friend, if you didn't go down clean, you're not gonna come up clean. There's nothing in that water that can make your sins go away. We don't get baptized in order to be saved. We get baptized because we have already been saved. So it's something we do after our salvation. Now look in verse number 39. For the promise, that is the promise of salvation, the promise of forgiveness that precedes baptism is to you. That is all of those who are listening to this message in Jerusalem. This is for you and it is to your children. It's not just for you. It's for those who will come after you and to all who are afar off. It's for everybody on every continent in every country and every nation. It includes us as many as our Lord, our God will call. 
It's for everybody that God convicts and that God draws to himself, can come to Christ and that they can be saved. And by the way, God is not willing that any should perish. And so God is in the business of convicting everybody of their sins. Now in verse number 40, we read these words. And with many other words, he testified and exhorted them saying, be saved from this perverse generation. The word saved is a, is a Bible word. It's, it's telling us what we need. It tells us our desperate condition before God. If, if somebody's out at sea and they fall overboard, you, flow, you throw them a, a, a life raft or you throw them a, a, a something, a, a tube or something. You throw them a rope. Why? You're wanting to save them from the condition that they're in. And that's what we're in a perilous position. He said, be saved from this perverse, this crooked generation. Then, verse 41 those who gladly received his word were baptized. And that day about 3,000 souls were added to them. And so they were saved and then they were baptized. Repent and be baptized. Not repent, take a class and then be baptized. There's nothing wrong with a class. If that helps you understand it better, take the class. But there's no biblical mandate for that. In the Bible, it is repent, get saved, and then be baptized. Not repent, and then wait six months to make sure you really meant what you did. No, just repent and be baptized. Not repent and be on a probationary period to make sure you've really done business with God. No, repent, and if your repentance is real, the change will come. You do need to grow. You do need discipleship. You need to mature, but you don't have to wait on all that until you get baptized. Repent and be baptized. And that day, about 3,000 souls were added to the church. And so today, in our service here, as was true in the first service, there are undoubtedly people here who have been saved and yet you have never been baptized. Others here, maybe you've not yet been saved. And today, before you get baptized, you need to repent. You need to turn to Christ and ask him to save you and trust him to do it. Now, when we're talking with a child about salvation or with a, with a student, we would do this. And sometimes even with an adult, it's good for all ages because it kind of puts things in order. We always use a baseball field. You're going to have a baseball field up on the screen. I know after what happened to the Astros last Monday night, a baseball analogy is not the happiest analogy that we could have. But we always say this to a child. If you'll look at that baseball field, it helps put the Christian life in order. God is a God of order, not disorder. And so this puts it in order. And we say to a child, in order for you to get right with God and be obedient to God, the first thing you need to do is to become a Christian. And we explain, all, we have all sinned. We always say to a child, a sin is anything we do that makes God unhappy. Disobeying your parents, that's a sin. Fighting with your brother and sister, that's a sin. Uh, losing your temper, that's a sin. Saying, telling a lie, that's a sin. Uh, being disrespectful to your teacher or your coach, that's a sin. They say, have you ever sinned? Yes, I have. And we help them to make sure they understand what sin is. And then we say to that child, anytime we sin, it's like we get a dirty mark in our heart, a dirty mark. So we'll draw a heart and we'll put dirty marks in that heart. And here's what we say to that child. In order for you to go to heaven, you've got to get those dirty marks out of your heart because heaven is a clean place. This is a dirty heart. God cannot allow a dirty heart into a clean heaven because it would mess heaven up. So we have to get those sins washed away before we can go to heaven. How do we get them washed away? By the blood of Jesus that cleanses us from all sins. And I say to a child, that shirt you're wearing right now, if you 
were to get that shirt dirty, would your mother throw that shirt away or would she throw it in, put it in the washing machine? Oh, she wouldn't throw it away. She'd put it in the washing machine. Soap and water makes it clean. In the same way, the blood of Jesus makes our heart clean, washes our sins away. That's becoming a Christian. Now, second base is baptism. And we say to the child, and it's important for all of us to remember, that baptism is something we do after we get saved because we already have been saved. Now, I know what some are thinking today, and I understand your reasoning. You're thinking this. Well, John, if baptism is not what saves me, if baptism is not what determines whether or not I go to heaven, then why should I be baptized? What's the big deal about it? It seems like it's a, y'all making something big deal out of something that's not a big deal. No, it is a very big deal. And there are two reasons that we get baptized. Reason number one is because God tells us to do it. Same reason we came to church today is God told us not to forsake the assembling of ourselves together. Same reason we tithe, God told us to do it. Same reason we forgive each other, God told us to. Same, the reason we get baptized is God has said, this is what I want you to do. Now think about what we said last week. If Jesus truly is our Lord, then we have to do what he has told us to do. And the first thing he tells us to do is to be baptized. So that's reason enough. But there's another reason that we should be baptized. And that is, it is our witness to other people. It is a public witness. It is our way of saying to everybody who's watching, just like my robe is clean and pure and white, Jesus has made my heart that way. So even the baptism robe is a picture of what Jesus has done in our heart. And then also when a person is baptized, you remember Jesus died on the cross. He was buried. Three days later, he rose again. So when a person is baptized, we lower them under the water and then we lift them back up. It is their way of saying, I have died to an old way of living and I've been raised to walk in a brand new way of life. I told you last week, I think I baptized six people in this service last week. And one of them was a seven or eight-year-old boy, and he was so excited. He was maybe the second or third when I baptized. And so when I got back in the dressing room, he, his father had already helped him. He had already gotten back in his street clothes, and he was running around that bathroom like a wild man, shaking his towel in the air like that. And he, when I walked in, he said, old man dead, new man alive. <laughs> eight years old, but he got the message. His parents had taught him that when we become a Christian, We've died to an old way of living and we've been raised to walk in a new way of life. We're not perfect. We're still imperfect. We still sin sometimes, but we're new. We're different and we're a new creature. And that's why that we should be baptized. So baptism comes after salvation. And then third base is our growth. And this is where we spend the majority of our lives after we, we get saved. We grow by reading our Bible, by praying, by coming to church, by going to connection groups, by having a mentor, by, by growing, by obeying God. By, we spend our whole life maturing and growing. And you know what I've noticed in my life? I have noticed that when people get over here on third base, some people, they never really seem to grow very much. They just maybe grow just a little bit. But other people are serious about this and they grow and they grow and they grow and they grow. And then when we die, of course, we go to heaven. Now, before we go any farther on this, you still listen, say amen, by the way. I want you to look at that baseball field. And I want you to ask yourself this question, where am I on the baseball field? Now, there's one other place that you could be uh, that's not drawn here. You could be just short of first base at a place we call thinking about it. 
And many times with a child, this is the case. A child is asking questions of his parents. I want to be baptized, the kid would say. I, I want to become a Christian. And yet when we talk to them, it's obvious they don't understand what sin is. They're not quite ready to be saved. They're taking a step towards God, but you can't be saved if you don't understand sin. And so where are they? They're thinking about it. Some of you today, that may be where you are. Maybe you do understand sin. Maybe you are ready to go to first base and be saved. But currently, as you sit there this morning, you're thinking about it. That's maybe what I need to do. Undoubtedly, that's what I need to do because I know that I've sinned and I need Jesus to come into my heart. Now, here's what I know when we talk about baptism. This is a very, it's a, I call the sermon today the beauty of baptism because baptism is a beautiful thing. It's a beautiful act of obedience. It's a beautiful declaration of our faith. And yet I also know that when you talk to somebody, especially an adult, about baptism, it can be an intimidating thing. It can sometimes be a confusing thing, especially if you have grown up in a, in a different background, a, a church that, does, that maybe baptized infants. And, and so you, you've already been baptized. In your mind, you're baptized because you were baptized as an infant. And so you're listening to all this about baptism and it's a little confusing to you. And so I wanna just raise a few questions today that I hope will, will help. Here, here's what I believe. If you weren't open to God and willing to do whatever God placed on your heart to do, you wouldn't even be in church today. So obviously all of us here today wanna to do right by God. And yet also we need to understand what God would expect and, and what God would have us to do. So, so let me, let me bring, this, bring this question up as the first question today. Because I would think today, coming from Catholic churches, I am so thankful, by the way, for all the people we have coming to First Baptist from Catholic backgrounds. And from Episcopalian backgrounds and Lutheran backgrounds and Methodist backgrounds and other backgrounds, I wanna say this, you do not have to have grown up Baptist to come to First Baptist. We're not trying to help you become a Baptist. We're trying to help you become a Christian if you've not done that yet. And so these denominational names mean very little to me. I think they probably mean less to God. There are two categories of people. There are saved people and unsaved people. As the old preacher used to say, there are the saints and the ain'ts. <laughs> but the category is not Baptist, Methodist, Lutheran, Catholic, Episcopalian, non-denominate. No, you're either a Christian or you're not a Christian. And so don't let that name Baptist on the door trip you up. We're not trying to make people Baptist. We're trying to help people have peace with God and be ready to go to heaven. We're not trying to prepare people for the Southern Baptist Convention. We're trying to prepare people for an eternity in God in, in heaven. That's what we're trying to prepare people for. So, you know, the denominations, I'm not, I'm not saying it's bad. I'm just saying that is way down the ladder on, on what's important. So there's some here today. I know this is true because this comes up not every week, but I would say multiple times a month, we're asked this question. Hey, I grew up in a church where I was baptized as an infant. And so now I've been coming here. I have understood the fact that I need to make my own decision. And I've done that. I've asked Jesus to forgive me and save me. And I've been born again and I'm saved, but I don't understand whether or not I should be baptized again after having been baptized as an infant. Now, for those of us who grew up in a church like this where we don't have infant baptism, we don't even understand the complexity of that question. But we need to learn to understand the complexity of that question because there's a lot behind that. 
what that person is saying is this, and I do understand it. They're saying, when I was a baby, my parents had me baptized in our church. And I feel like if I get baptized again, I'm somehow being disloyal to my parents or I'm somehow being dis, I'm, I'm disrespecting what they did to me. And so you get into a deal. It's not even theological at this point. It's family loyalty. And if anybody is pro-family loyalty, I am pro-family loyalty. But I think what we can say to someone, and several here today are probably in that group, listen, in those churches, what your parents were doing in that context they were dedicating you to God. Now, I know what the church would teach in some of those churches that somehow that baptism washes your sins away. Now, we don't believe that. I don't believe in infant baptism. But I understand the predicament people get in when they were baptized as an infant. And so what I would say to that person, and what I do say is this, look, for all practical purposes, your parents were dedicating you to God. It's not exactly the way we do it here. Ours is a just a baby dedication. There's no baptism. But as best they could in that environment, they were dedicating you to God. You had been born into their home. They were thanking God for you. They were dedicating you to God. Now, as an adult, you have to make your own decision. That was the decision they made for you. Now, you make your own decision for God. So it's not being disrespectful. You're just making your own decision. And you know, I'll be honest with you. I've talked to a lot of people from other denominations and nobody has ever had a problem with that answer. I mean, I think everybody just common sense says, well, that's right. That, that is exactly what I need to do. So I would say if you've been, inf if you were baptized as a baby and you've been saved later on, <laughs> You need to be baptized here. Believer's baptism. You know, it's, it's immersion and it's believer's baptism. And that's what the New Testament teaches. Sometimes the question gets asked here, what if I was baptized before I got saved? We had a man last year, came to see me on the Friday before our spontaneous baptism service. Deacon in our church, one of my good friends. He said, John, I need to come talk to you. He said, when I was about seven or eight years of age, I made a profession of faith and I got baptized. He said, but the fact is, I didn't really get saved till I was about 10 or 11 years old. And here he is and at that time in his 50s or 60s. And he said, I've never been baptized since I actually got saved. And he said, I feel like I need to get baptized. And he was one of the 62 who was baptized last year on this day. In fact, I saw him this past Sunday, I think he and his, they've moved out of town, but they were back here for the service last week. And he said, John, I see y'all are having the spontaneous baptism service again. He said, I'll never forget. It was a year ago when I did that. And it's one of the greatest things that I've ever done in all my life. So if you got baptized before you got saved, yes, you definitely need to be baptized again. Now this question comes up too. Well, what if I was saved, or at least I think I was saved, and then I got baptized, and then later on I had doubts, and I got my doubts settled. Should I get baptized again after that? Now, that's a, that's a real practical question. And I'm gonna give you the most honest answer that I can give to that question. Because there'd be a lot of people that would just say, oh yes, undoubtedly, that's what you need to do. But the answer to that question, my understanding of the scripture is this. It depends. Say, it depends on what? It depends on what the Holy Spirit leads you to do. You see, if you got saved or you think you got saved and then you got baptized and years later you had doubts and you got those doubts settled, what we know from the baseball field and from the Bible, we are supposed to get baptized after we get saved. That's, we know that. 
But since you don't know when you got saved, you have to pray and you have to ask God. Let me ask you this. Yes or no, do you think God is confused on when you got saved? You think God's up there scratching his head trying to figure out when you got saved? No. God knows everything. God knows when you got saved. So if you're in that boat, you pray about that. And God may reveal to you, no, you were saved then. You were baptized. You had doubts. You got the doubts settled. You don't need to be baptized again. Or God may reveal to you, you know, you really weren't saved then. You really got saved here. And so you do need to be baptized again. Or God may be silent. And God may not tell you, he may never tell you when you actually got saved. And so in that particular situation, you say, well, I really don't know if it was here or here. And so just to be safe, I want to be baptized again so I can have my baptism on this side of my salvation. But I think we should be led by the Spirit in these matters. And I went through that struggle. I wanted to get baptized again, and I was. Adrian Rogers, whom I quote often, went through a very similar struggle. And uh, saved, thought he was saved, baptized later on, got it settled, but he never was baptized again because in his mind, he was actually saved then and he was having doubt. So we have to let God follow the leadership of the Holy Spirit. And you say, well, John, how will I know? We're fixing to have a chance to do this. How will I know? The answer to that question is you will just know in your heart. You'll know. I had a couple in my office just the other day. The man, 83 years of age. His wife, 81 years of age. Friends of mine, been members of this church for almost 15 years. And they said, John, we want to come talk to you because we're not sure that we're saved. And the wife told me her story. She said, John, I'm 98% sure that I'm saved. And the man told me his story. And he said, I'm about the same with her. I said, well, 98% is better than five or 10% or even 50, but it's not as good as 100. And I said to them what I'll say to every one of us today here, you don't want to step out into eternity being 98% sure that you're saved. You want to step out into eternity being 100% sure. We prayed together. They both got it settled. In the first service this morning, that man who is unable to get in the baptistry because of a back issue, he came down the aisle. They sat on the front row. My dad and I baptized him by putting water on their head. There were four this morning who could not, were not able to be baptized. And maybe some in this service today, you say, I, I want to be baptized. I need to be baptized. I can't physically do it. Well, just come down here to the front in just a moment and we'll baptize you here and you're in the pew. God doesn't expect you to do something you can't do. You do all you can do, and so you can come today and be baptized. Now, in just a moment, I'm going to pray, and then I think in this service, we're going to see what God does, but I think there are 23 people who are already planning on being baptized, and I have no question in my mind, there are others in this room right now who need to be baptized. You know you need to be baptized. You think, man, I didn't come plan. I didn't even bring a plan. I didn't even bring, any, I didn't even bring a change of clothes. I, didn't even, there's, I can't do it. Listen, we brought the clothes for you. We've been to Walmart, Sam's, and ordered on Amazon. We got robes, shorts, and T-shirts. We got everything you need. And so we prepared for your coming today. And we're hoping that, that today will be the day that you get baptized, even if you hadn't even thought about it. You know, the, if you hadn't even thought about it till now, that just says to me, God really is impressing this on your heart. But before baptism, let's make sure that we're saved with our heads bowed and eyes closed. Maybe you're like that couple in my office the other day. 95, 98, almost 100% sure that you're saved. But man, you get to think about how long eternity lasts. It never ends. 
And you think, man, I don't want to step out into eternity not knowing for sure that I'm saved. Would you just pray this prayer right now? Lord Jesus, come into my heart. Forgive my sins. Make me a Christian. I ask you to save me. I trust you to do it. Welcome to my heart, Lord. Begin now the process of making me the person that you want me to be. Grow me up and help me to do my part in that part. And God, during this next song, when people start coming forward for baptism, if this is what you want me to do today, this is what I'll do. I will follow you, Lord, wherever you lead. 